0: Grace 412 podcast listeners, welcome back. We are in part two of our series that we're calling humble beginnings. As we look forward to Easter that is only about a month away now, we want to prepare our hearts. We want to think about the person of Jesus, but we don't want to just do that through uh, kind of the traditional study through the New Testament or through the Gospels or through the crucifixion or resurrection. Instead, we want to look at the Old Testament. We've been looking at the life of David, and we've been studying out how we can see the pictures of Jesus through the life and the example of David. And so today we are going to be looking at one of the most well-known stories ever told, David and Goliath. This story is so inspiring that even non-believers celebrate this idea of the underdog story of David versus Goliath one of the reasons that this story is so fitting for our current series is because we oftentimes think of david and jesus uh, as the servant as the selfless savior right the one who graciously endured trials the one who forgave and served his enemies the one like we studied last week who gives us a seat at the table But we forget sometimes that David and Jesus are also both warriors. They're conquering kings. And so tonight, we're going to study out this story of David and Goliath as we see a God who fights our battles. So we want to be clear at the very beginning of this study, before we even dive into scripture, as we talk about this, David is a picture of Jesus, right? In this story, and even throughout a lot of scripture, we see David as kind of a a Jesus parallel. And this is important to note as we look in the context of our series, in the context of Scripture, in the context of this story, because we often hear this story as sort of a motivational speech. And we put ourselves in the, in the position of David, in the position of the hero, and it's, you're like David, go defeat your giants, go fight the enemy, you're a giant slayer. But as Matt Chandler said, we are not David in the story. The Bible is not about you. I've said it before and I've said it again, you are not the main character in the redemption story, Jesus is. So the Bible was written to help us see our need for God. We're not David and Goliath is not our debt or the boss that we don't like or the class that we're struggling in, right? And, and all we've got to do is just take this, this stone of faith and just sling it at the enemy. And with God's help, we can do it all, right? Philippians 4.13. No, that's not the context of this story. What we've got to understand is we're supposed to be like Jesus, but we also have to recognize John 17. Without him, we can do nothing. And so with that in mind, we're gonna study out 1 Samuel chapter 17 and see uh, how David is a picture of Jesus, how Goliath is a picture of sin and death, and how we then can live in light of these truths. And so we don't have time to go verse by verse, but we're going to kind of go through the story, and we're going to see this picture of Jesus in the life and example of David. So 1 Samuel 17 and verse 1, it says this, now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shoko, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in in ephesedamine. Ephesimim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And so we kind of know this story, right? Israel's going to battle against the Philistines. They're on one side of the the valley, Philistines on the other side, and, and they send their champion Goliath out it says uh, he was six cubits in a span a cubit was typically around 18 inches now um, there's some discrepancy about how tall Goliath was we know he was somewhere between seven and nine and a half feet tall right Uh, the Hebrew and Septuagint uh, texts have it as six cubits the Dead Sea Scrolls and Josephus say four cubits however you you chart it he was huge Uh, 5,000 shekels was how much his coat weighed. That was about 125 pounds. The spearhead alone that he had was 15 pounds. So you picture, like think about throwing a 15 or 16 pound bowling ball, you roll that and it's heavy. And this is on top of about a six foot spear, and it's thrown. And that head alone of that spear was 15 pounds and so Goliath is huge he and the Philistines are making a mockery of the people of Israel and of God he steps out and says hey no who's gonna stop me I'm gonna do what I want you see in verse 8, it says, He stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. And if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. And so we stop right now and we go, we recognize who Goliath is in this story. Goliath is this picture of sin and death. Israel is God's chosen people, and he steps out and says, you can't defeat me. I'm going to be defiant against God's will, against God's plan, against God's people, against God's purpose. I'm going to impose my will. I am going to take control. And we need to add just one more thing to this story's context. Sometimes we're like Goliath directly opposing God's will. Just like sin takes control of our lives, sometimes we want to take control of our own lives and say, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to be defiant. I'm going to control my own destiny. Goliath says, hey, we're going to control this land until someone bigger or stronger stops us. And we do that same thing in our own lives. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to be defiant. I'm going to pursue my own ambitions until someone bigger or stronger stops us. We make ourselves the enemies. Colossians 1 says it this way, you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. We talked about this last week. Ephesians 2 says it, wherefore remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, and having no hope and without God in the world. We just need to recognize we were enemies, but like we talked about last week, that doesn't have to be our forever fate. We're going to talk more about the hope that we have in a minute, but let's just remember and recognize this, that God is always in control. That though sin disrupts his Um, his, his plan or seems to disrupt his plan, though we seem to go our own way, though we seem to wander away, though we seem to be in opposition to his will, let's recognize he is always in control, that God is in the heaven, he does what he wants, and we could never escape his control, his plan, his power, his purpose, that even... People like Goliath, even sinners like us who were aliens and enemies, we are still within his control, within his plan, within his purpose, and he is using all things for his ultimate plan, purpose, and glory. And so Goliath challenges them. We're going to pick up in verse 19 as the story goes on. It says Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper, took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came. And saluted his brethren, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines. He spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. So David and his brother, uh, David's brothers had gone to battle. David had gone home. He was a shepherd, but his father said, "Hey, take them some food." So, David comes to camp, and, and multiple times you see David um, caring for his responsibilities, and you see these people, the Israelites and the armies of Israel, and it says they were afraid. And if we put ourselves in the shoes of people in the story rather than putting ourselves in the shoes of david maybe we should recognize sometimes we're like the israelites we're afraid to take a stand see it's so easy for us to read these stories in the bible and go oh i'm just like job i'm just like daniel i'm just like david but you know who we're actually like we're the israelites we're cowering in fear we are afraid of everything we we are a, a, a culture and a people who are scared everything. We're afraid people won't like us. We're scared of what people will or won't think of us. We're scared of being uncomfortable. We're scared of something new, but we're also scared of things staying the same. And we're scared of stagnancy. We're scared of sacrifice. We're scared of being hurt. We're not warriors. We're not conquering kings. Honestly, we're chickens. And before you think I'm being too harsh, let's ask this calibrating question. When is the last time that you risked something for the sake of the gospel? See, if we're not careful, we're gonna do exactly what the Israelites did. We're gonna huddle in our little tents, in our little homeschool circles, with our little Christian school friends, at our little uh, get-togethers and our youth groups. And we're never gonna face the true enemy and we're never gonna see God's true power on display and it's important to be clear here and recognize who the true enemy is in this story it's Goliath and what did we say Goliath represents sin and death and the enemies of God and God's people see the the problem in our culture in our world today is that people are either afraid to fight or we're fighting all the wrong things. We say, oh, I'm I'm David, and my enemies are that other political party, or the outside world, or the unsaved, or the people on the internet that I don't agree with. But let's just pull back for a second and say if I'm actually supposed to be A warrior if I'm supposed to be brave if I'm supposed to take a stand for God against the enemies of God who is the real enemy we go back to Ephesians we get all the way to chapter 6 and the Bible says this Paul the church of Ephesus says in verse 10 finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might he says be strong be brave put on the whole armor of God that you would be able to stand against the wiles of the devil he says don't be afraid take a stand against who? The wiles of the devil. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, verse 12, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." He says, this is the enemy. Be strong. He says, you can't do it in your own. You're not the hero. Remember, God is fighting our battles for us. But he says, and also fight the real enemy. The real enemy is Satan and sin and self. And those enemies are each way too strong for us to conquer on our own. And this is why we need the power of God in us facing the true enemy that we can't conquer on our own it's only in his strength and by his spirit that we have any shot at victory that we already have the victory in christ these enemies will never be conquered in our strength or with our motivation See, we, we can't have the wrong motivation. And you see the motivation that the Israelites have, including the motivation of David's brother. If you get to verse 25 in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, they say, it says, the men of Israel, they've said, have you seen this man that's come up? Surely to defy Israel as he come up. And it shall be that the men who kill him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So they're like, hey, listen, whoever kills this enemy is going to be rich. He's going to have status. He's going to be part of the king's family. Family. But look at what David says in verse 26. It says, David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He says, Forget the honor you're gonna get. Are we gonna let him talk about our God this way? He goes on in verse 32, David says to Saul, let no one's heart fail him because of him. He says, thy servant will go and will fight this Philistine. He says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to let him talk about God this way. And, and Saul's like, are you sure? Like, are you crazy? And he goes on in verse 34, David says to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, I smote him, delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David says, First of all, I'm not going to let him talk to God this way or talk about God this way. He says, I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand for him. And he says, God has already done this for me. I conquered a bear. I conquered a lion. And he's the one that's fighting my battles now. And so Saul's like, All right, go and God be with you. We're going to come back to those verses in just a minute. But David goes out, he faces Goliath, Goliath's like, hey, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to make a mockery of you, you know, kind of the usual banter, and then look what David says in verse 45, it says, Then said David to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you, take your head from you, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He says, And all this assembly will know that the Lord saves not with the sword or the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." He says, and then it says, It came to pass when the Philistine arose, and came and drew nigh to meet David. David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took thence a stone, and slung it, and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face into the earth. David says, hey, this battle is not mine to fight, it's God's. God is going to give me the victory. God is going to prove himself. God is going to do what only God could do. And then you see the story, verses 48 and 49. David uses the sling and the stone. He hits Goliath between the eyes. He knocks him out. He comes over, cuts off Goliath's head like he says. He claims victory for the people of Israel. Everyone praises David. Everybody gives glory to God. All of Israel loves David. Even Jonathan, Saul's son, becomes best friends with David. It's a great story with a happy ending. To God be the glory. But then you get to the next part of the story, just the next chapter over, chapter 18, or chapter 18, verse 8. And you see Saul's response in verse 8 of chapter 18. It says, Saul was very wroth, or angry, and saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've only ascribed thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? He says, what else are they going to give him but my own kingdom? Verse 9, and Saul eyed David from that day forward. Saul is mad that David is getting all his attention. He's mad that David's getting uh, all this love and admiration from these people. They, they care more about David now, and they don't care about Saul anymore. And if we could put ourselves in the shoes of just one more person in this story, let's be honest, sometimes we're like Saul, internally selfish. And struggling. Saul probably wants to celebrate what God did in and through David. Saul, I'm sure, was happy that 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 Israel was free from the persecution of the Philistines. He probably wanted to join with God's people in rejoicing, but he was upset because they don't love him anymore. They don't care about him anymore. Saul wants the attention, Saul wants the praise, Saul wants the accolades and the adoration and the admiration of the people. And don't we sometimes do the same thing? Can't we sometimes see ourselves in every other person in the story besides David? We're like Saul. We want the attention. We want the praise. We want the people to like us. We rebel against God like the Philistines. We cower in fear. We assume the worst. We're proud. We're jealous. We seek after our own gain. And while I said we're not like David in the story, because of Jesus, we've been called to be more like Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. We've been called to let God live in and through us, to let God fight our battles for us. And so while more often than not we fail, Could we practically, just really quickly, look at how we can change the narrative, we can let God change who we are in the story, that we can be more like David in the story, that we can live more like Jesus? Real quickly, three practical things that we see from David that we can learn, that we can apply. First of all, David only cared about God's glory. You saw it when he spoke to the Israelites, 1 Samuel 17, 26. You saw it when he spoke to King Saul, 1 Samuel 17, 36. You saw it in how he spoke to the Philistines and Goliath, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 45. He didn't argue back against his brothers, against Saul, against the Israelites. He didn't seek out the fight, but he knew who the real enemy was. And he didn't back down he only cared about god's glory and defending god's name the second thing david remembered what god had done before that's why he didn't back down you saw it in first samuel 17 34-37 he says hey god helped me kill a lion he helped me kill a bear and i know this battle is his too he, he knew where his strength came from. It came from God. He wasn't seeking his own. He recognized God put him in this place for God's purpose, God's plan, and God's glory. And you see the same thing with Jesus as he prays in John 15 through 17, or as Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, or throughout the New Testament. You see this same example in Jesus that he, he constantly sought God's strength and God's glory. And then lastly, how did David uh, live like Jesus and how can we live in response to that? David served with wisdom and humility. Uh, Verse 14 and 15, he went back from battle to continue keeping his sheep. Verse 17 and 18, he obeyed his father and brought food for his brothers. Verse 20, he left someone to watch over his sheep. Verse 22, he left someone to stay with the cart. Verse 36 and verse 58, he referred to himself as a servant before in verse 36 and after in verse 58 slaying Goliath. Chapter 18, verse 5, it says he remained humble even in chapter 18. He remained a selfless servant. This perfect picture of our suffering Savior and selfless servant Jesus, and this perfect picture for us to remember as we seek to live like Jesus lived. And so what do we learn from this? How do we fight against the real enemy? How do we fight back against Satan and sin and self? Against internal struggles and against fear and against jealousy we recognize it's not done in our own strength. We seek God's glory. We remember what God has already done and what God is doing. We continually and consistently serve with wisdom and humility. And even in doing those things, we recognize we're only doing those things by God's power and in God's spirit and for God's glory. So that's our goal. I know we went a little bit long this week, but it's so important for us to understand this as we seek out to let God fight our battles as we seek to be more like Jesus every day. We'll catch up next week as we continue in this humble beginning series. We'll talk to you guys then.